Today's going to be a very, very special day because the mother of my children is speaking today, and that is valuable to me. Now, I think she's the best, and I think my children would agree. What you don't know is that for the last 20 years of my ministry, everything that I have accomplished is the help of the Lord and Brandy Rose. And that's probably true for you, by the way, men, FYI, that's probably true for you, whatever you've done in your life, but I know it's true. Even if you won't admit it, I know it's true for me. Everything that we have done, if there's anything that I have done good in this world, it's been because of Jesus and Brandy in that order. And uh, seven years ago, we had the answer to our prayer from 19 years ago, which was to start a family. In the first 10 years, we didn't think that was possible. And then God miraculously gave us a miracle. Uh, Honestly, we did nothing differently. I promise you that. Um, Just God in His grace gave us a beautiful little girl. And then two two years and nine months later, a little boy. If I'd have had boys first, we would have had one. But God in His wisdom knew what to do. If I could guarantee we'd have girls, we'd have four. You know what I'm saying? But we've got one of each flavor now, and that's the only kinds they come in is boy and girl. So we're going to stop where we are while we're ahead. Come on, somebody, (laughs) while while I have a little bit of hair. And she raises them with grace. You may not know this. She homeschooled my children. While we planted a church, she's homeschooling brilliant children, I might add. She's not only helping me lead this, but she leads our home. Her first ministry is me and our children. And she does that better than anyone I know. And uh, a few times a year, she uh, allows us to let to hear from her. And that's a privilege for us. It's a privilege for me. Uh, I'm ready to preach to you. I could preach to you today. It's been, if you're keeping count, it's been three weeks, whatever. Um, next week, I'm starting a brand new series called This is Only a Test. This is Only a Test. Don't you wish you could hear from heaven every time there was a test coming, everybody? Anybody else wish? I wish I could do that. I wish heaven would just announce, hey, you're about to go through a test, and, and, and it would ha- but it doesn't happen that way. And so I'm going to help walk you through the next several weeks how to pass the test of your life, um, and, and hopefully it will encourage you. But until I get to that series, today's going to be fantastic. Would you honor her as the mother, um, not only of my family, but of this house? Would you put your hands together big and welcome. Can we give that to God right now? Lord, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for the opportunity to speak to them. God, I pray that you would hide me today and all that I have to say, God. I pray for every mother who's here today, Lord. I pray that you would touch their hearts in a special way, Lord. Don't let them leave and just check Mother's Day service off their list of things to do today and the busyness of their schedule today, God. But I pray that every aspect of this service is with an an intention, Lord, to come closer to you. Heal mended relationships, God. Lord, heal every mother that's longing for that baby of her own. God, I pray that you would heal the moms, Lord, who are in the middle of it, God, that are exhausted and tired and feel like they don't know what they're doing. I pray that you would heal the moms who've seen their kids off, Lord, and now sit lonely and with an empty house and long for those days of exhaustion. 
God, I pray for those that have lost their mother or lost their child in that relationship, God, whether they've wandered far away or, God, whether it's just life has taken them out. Be the healer today, God. I thank you for the opportunity. I pray that you would hide me today, God, behind your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all go ahead and sit down. Uh, I'm going to lighten it up because that video, I mean, stink. I was like, this is a Hallmark uh, commercial or something. What is happening right now? Uh, you all look so beautiful. Again, thank you so much for being here today. I am honored always to stand up here. And I assure you with 100% clarity, I know that I am the least of, of those that should be up here. But I think once a year, you know, it's an opportunity to hear from somebody different. And so I'm, I've joked with them, I'm the Mother's Day speaker. I don't know that it'll always be that way, but we're getting it today. So just to lighten the mood, um, I, I was studying for this message, and um, you'll hear in a minute. It's, it's, I don't think it's a heavy message, but it's, it's not all fun and giggles. So I thought I would uh, lighten the mood a little bit and give you some one-liners, some jokes that I read recently that really tickled me. And I feel like being a parent or not, you've probably witnessed these. And uh, so hopefully you'll enjoy them. The first one um, that I read is silence is golden unless you have kids. And then it's suspicious. <laughs> Feel it all the time. Like they get really quiet. I wish I could enjoy it, but I don't. I, I freak out. Uh, this one, when your mom voice is so loud that even the neighbors will brush their teeth and get dressed. <laughs> Been there, right? I mean, my kids have started, um, Henry and Hazel both, I don't know, their thing is, when you're frustrated and you're getting loud, it's this. And Henry started going, okay. And I'm, I, I'm like, excuse me, you're four. And you don't get to say, okay, and be frustrated. Like, do what I told you to do. Um, this third one, sorry, guys, it was funny to me. I don't want to sleep like a baby. I want to sleep like my husband. <laughs> Amen? Mama's Okay. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. My husband's the lightest sleeper. He hears everything, everything. And, and, he, and he thinks that I don't. But the, the secret is I've learned to just ignore it because I know if I do long enough, he'll get up and go handle it, right? <laughs> oh, my. Uh, this, one, this one really helped me. It's like no one in my family appreciates the fact that I stayed up all night last night overthinking for them. <laughs> always, always. And finally, this one tickles me. We only have two children, and that's the plan, two children. But um, I've even seen this with having two. The first child eats dirt. Mama calls the doctor. Doctor, is he okay? Is everything going to be all right? What tests do we need to run? The second child eats dirt. Mama gets a wipe and cleans their mouth out. <laughs> then that third child eats dirt, and Mom wonders, is it really necessary that I feed them lunch today? <laughs> They're okay. They'll be fine. There's, there's lots of minerals and vitamins in that dirt. It's fine. I always say when my, uh, my son is, we're picking on poor Henry a lot today, but uh, he, he, he's got a, an obsession with mouth on everything, you know, right now. And I just, my mantra is it's building his immune system. It's building his immune system. It's building his immune system. All right, guys, uh, to get right to the message today, we're reading from the 12th chapter of Matthew. And the Bible tells us a story. Uh, basically, Jesus is right in the middle of doing these amazing miracles. I mean, he is at the height of his ministry. 
and he's doing things like um, healing people and fixing restore, uh, fixing broken relationships, giving restoration to people who are in need of it, blessing people with uh, wisdom to help their finances, and doing amazing things. He, he's not like, watch this cool trick that my father gave me and shooting lightning out of his fingers. He's doing good things. And he's walking around town, and there's a group of religious elite people, you know, the Pharisees, the Bible calls them the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people who know the law. And they're following him around, trying to trap him by his good deeds. Not for things he's doing to show off or to make himself a rock star, but for things he's doing to help people. So we look in on verse 9, and I'm reading from the NIV today. And it says, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful that you heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, yeah, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And so then he said to the man with the shriveled hand, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Now in John 5, we're flipping chapters, flipping books. <clears throat> Same time, you know, God's in the middle of his miracles. Jesus is, is doing amazing things. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five color covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been there for, for 38 years as an invalid. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said unto him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, picked up his mat, and walked. The day on which the, this took place was a Sabbath, again on a Sunday. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, and the law forbids you to carry your mat. And he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So we see Jesus is in this time of miracles, and um, the, the Bible tells us at this time there were so many miracles that if you were to write them all, the world couldn't hold the volumes. And I love that. I love that things happen not just on the Sabbath, but they can happen right in your home, right in your car, wherever you're at. He was doing things. His presence would come into a situation, and an entire town would be changed. Imagine if the entire city of Bernie was immediately healed of every issue they had. From as silly as their frustration about the lanes changing for the millionth time to whether or not there should be a CVS or a new library or whatever the thing is that you know we're aggravated about today, to cancer and diabetes and heart disease. And, and these horrible, horrible things. He healed all of them. He was doing great, great things. But I want to focus specifically on these two stories today because I find it interesting in both of these stories that these two people were asked to participate in their healing. 
they were asked to take, take a part in their miracle. He was Jesus. He, he could do anything. He can do anything. A woman only touched the, the hem of his garment, and her issue of blood was completely healed. But she had had her whole life. He was Jesus that only his spoken word, he told a man, your daughter's healed. Go home. She's fine. He was Jesus. He, he, he could do anything. But in this case, he gave a command to these two men. And one was, you need to stretch your hand out. And the other was, you need to pick up your mat, get up, and go. Why would he ask this? The first man was given a command to stretch forth his hand, and he did. And he was told he would made, uh, be made whole, and he was made whole. But this man, he was in a public place where everyone could see his issue. And he could have let embarrassment or pride keep him from his healing. He could have kept his shriveled hand hidden away and pretended he was fine. See, the Bible doesn't tell us that he just walked around with his mangled hand like, everybody, look at my hand. It's mangled. It's awful. He could have lied and said, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. What, what, do, what do you mean? Because, he, you know, it was a public place. I'm not going to embarrass myself here. You know, I might be healed, but then people would know something's wrong with me. He could have said, how dare you call out my problem? He was in the synagogue, in the church, as it were, with this issue. And while some people knew he probably had the problem, you know, he probably, uh, he may have used it in a joking manner on um, social media every single day and tried to blow it off like, oh, this funny hand of mine, y'all see these tricks. It probably really bothered him. It probably really, really was an issue for him, and he needed healing from it. Regardless of the feeling of his feelings about what Jesus did, however, the choice was completely up to him. It was entirely his choice as to whether or not he was going to put himself out there and be healed. Then the man who was laid on a mat for 38 years, <clears throat> he was in a place surrounded by sickness. His sickness was on display for all to see. And Jesus asked him, I mean, there, there was no cloaking his sickness. He, he wasn't like, yeah, I'm just laying here hanging out because I really like this spot and I get a good tan here. I mean, he, everybody knew you're there, you're sick, something's wrong with you. 38 years. So it caught me really crazy the first time I read this. And I've, I've heard this story all my life, grew, grew up in church, that the man was asked, do you want to be healed? But probably a year or so ago, I was studying this. And um, I've heard some amazing speakers communicate this idea over the last probably six months. And I just felt it confirmation to share with you today. I was blown away. Why would God ask him, do you want to be healed? Of course you want to be healed. Of, of course you want your, you know, everything in your life made right. But I don't think Jesus just asked him, do you want to be healed? And I don't think he just told the man to stretch out your hand. I think he, I think there was a look and the Bible doesn't tell us that, but I think that there was a, a look Jesus gave them that reached into their deepest darkest soul you know the place nobody but you and he knew about and I think in that look I think it went down into their squirmy bits because he knew they they knew that if he what he was doing was asking them to expose the thing that they would ultimately be healed of and most of us would say yes right something's wrong everybody has an issue right now you wish God would heal immediately of course you want to be healed of course you want to be healed right right unless you don't Unless you've grown accustomed to being sick. And in fact, you learn to enjoy your sickness. 
Being sick allows you to be lazy. It allows you to get coddled and spoon-fed chicken soup for your soul and patted and babied and loved on. And the problem is when we decide uh, to stay sick, we wind up admitting ourselves in the long-term care, and it becomes our life, and eventually we're in hospice with it. Die. We die around this issue. We never get healed from it. We delight in our disability, and we find comfort in our chaos because getting it together means we're going to have to take responsibility for things, right? I know it's hard today, guys. I'll line it up, I promise, but I just felt this really heavy on me, and uh, I, I, I have to get it off me. So we often say, God, I, I want to be healed, but I want you to do it my way. I don't really want to be healed because if I want to go back to that thing, if I need an excuse for why I don't want to deal with stuff, I need that there. So if you'll just fix the little symptoms, if you'll just, you know, let me pat that relationship over. Let me just, you know, I'll stop looking at that for now. I'll go on like a little fast from it for a while. Then, then I'll get a little bit better. But I'm not, I'm not going to cut it out altogether. I'm not going to be healed entirely. No, no, I, I'm fine. And we've all been there, myself included. And I'm not here today blaming anybody entirely or saying it's all your fault. It may not be your fault for whatever it is that your issue is. It probably isn't your fault. But maybe, just maybe, the decision to be partially or fully healed is our fault. Let's just say today that you're ready to be healed and to finally put this thing behind you. What are you going to do? The first story's command was that they stretched out his, he stretched out his arm. And so the choice is yours as to what your arm is going to be. Which arm is it going to be? The Bible never says that he told him, stretch out your left mangled arm. Stretch out your problem. Like I said, he could have went back and, and said, uh, this hand's fine. Like, I have a hangnail. You can heal that, you know. We're good. This little thing is fine. Yeah, heal this. Will you just placate your pastors today, your family, your friends nearby, and show your good Christian arm? Are you going to pretend that you're fine, or will you stretch out the mangled, ugly thing that you don't want people to see? Or maybe they see it, but you want to pretend they don't. Maybe it's an obvious flaw that you can't hide. Maybe, maybe you really do have a physical deformity. You're, you're sick. You've had a divorce happen to you. Uh, maybe you have a jail record. I mean, let's get real. There's a million people in, in, you know, that you pass by every day. You don't know those things, but it's easy to find out. Maybe you have infertility issues. Maybe you have uh, high blood pressure. Maybe you have things that you can see, but maybe there's some things you can't, you can't see, the stuff that you can cloak really easily. Maybe it's bitterness eating you alive. You can't find joy about anything because you're, just, you're mad about everything that's happened to you. Maybe it's resentment because they didn't get theirs. They, you know, it's just not fair. I resent them because they've been blessed and I haven't, and I should have got that. Maybe it's jealousy. Not the, not the fun kind of like, I'm so jealous. Um, you know, that was amazing, and I would love to have that. I'm talking about the real jealousy, the kind you go home and cuss about to your husband and your kids. But at church, you're happy for them. Maybe it's unforgiveness because they seem fine and they're over it and you're still hurt. Maybe you're angry because it shouldn't have been this way. This was not the way you wanted it to go. You had a plan. Things, did, things were supposed to go this way and now you're mad. 
you're just mad and you can't release that anger. Here's one, guys, super transparent. Maybe it's laziness. And laziness today, I think, is different than just, I can't get off the couch. I stopped watching Netflix. I think it's blaming busyness on your laziness. Because if you're busy, then you can be lazy from plugging into all that God wants for you. I can't, I can't serve there. I can't do that. All they do is ask of me to give, 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 and I am so busy. But the truth of the matter is, and God knows, I don't, I don't want to do that thing. I don't, I don't want to have that commitment. I don't, I don't want to be plugged in there. I don't want to do that. I don't want the responsibility of that. Maybe it's selfishness or pride. You know, um, I, I, I earn this. I deserve this. Or you know, I, I'm not going to stretch out my issue. Like that's, that's nobody's business. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Maybe it's feelings of inadequacy. I didn't go to Bible college. My parents weren't able to give me all that they gave them. I've made way too many mistakes. You know, no one's ever going to believe that I really changed this time. No one's ever going to believe that I'm capable of doing better. No one's going to believe that I'm different. You know, I, I, can't, I can't do that. Whatever it is, I'm asking you guys now, just think about that. And if, if, if you, I can't really see you very well, and it's dark in here, thankfully, but put your hand over your heart, think about that thing, and kind of pluck that out, and just put that in your hands and think about that, whatever that is. And the next story, you can just hold on to that. Don't put it back in there. <laughs> just hold on to it for a minute. In the next story, Jesus asked the man, do you want to be healed? And so now you're holding that thing, or maybe you know, you're holding a couple of things, or maybe you're sitting like this, you know, your hands are full. <laughs> and maybe today you're thinking this is a lot, but you have a choice. Are you going to declare with your voice that you want to be healed? Imagine your father's eyes looking into yours when he asks you that question. Do you really want this? Do you really want to be healed? Publicly declaring your desire to be healed does not have to label you as a weirdo. I, I feel like um, in our efforts today to be real, we've somehow glorified being weird. <laughs> and I, I have my weird quirks. I think there's lots of people in here, creatives, that do as well. Um, and, and that's great. But you don't have to herald yourself with, you know, I'm the person who all the garbage has happened to me. I'm such a wacko. I'm such a weirdo. I'm not saying that. But I am saying it's important that you put that thing out there and that you use that testimony and let that thing label you as the person who's been healed so that you can help somebody else. Amen? There's something powerful about publicly acknowledging your surrender to his divine touch. His healing cannot rid you of being uh, that per not only rid you of being that person, but it can also label you as a new person, as the one he's called you to be. And there's so much joy in that. You don't have to walk around anymore as the liar, the thief, the cheat, the weirdo, the wacko, the person who's gone through every situation and they remind me of it on the daily. You're the person now who has joy and freedom and a sweetness about them. And you're drawn, you draw people to you. They love you. 
They love being around you. They don't look at you with, oh, God, please, please don't let her talk to me. Don't let her look at me. They look at you with, I can't wait to hear what God's doing in their life. I can't wait to hear the great things that's going on there. I can't wait to, to see them and to talk to them. The team can come up. This isn't very long today. I just want to encourage you that once you decide to walk forward heel, forward heel, there are going to be others who doubt your motives. There's going to be religious minds waiting to trip you up on little technicalities. It's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. You know, you've made this, you've made this declaration before. We'll see you fail again. You're going to do it again. Um, you know, I, I know you think it's fine, but really, you need, to do it, you need to do it this way. You don't need to give that to God. The enemy will do that. It is his, it's his greatest, greatest desire to distract you. And he's going to tell you, come back. Come back over here. Put that thing back under your cloak. Hide it again. Don't, don't really heal it. Like, as God begins to do a work in your life and, and that thing begins to happen, because, guys, sometimes a healing is a process. Miracles happen. Jesus' shadow passed over people, and they were healed. He spoke the word and commanded this entire earth into existence. He can speak a word and do a miracle right now. I believe that that is still truth today. But sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it's his word coupled with your action, with your stretching your hand forward, with you getting up off your mat and walking away from it. You have to do your part to, to make this miracle happen. And that's not because God can't. It's because he knows us. Just like as mothers, we know that we can just fix the problem for our kid immediately. But sometimes we let them mess up. We let them fail. We let them fall. Because the correction is that they learn. And maybe that's what God's doing to some of us. He's letting you learn. Instead of walking around looking like poor pitiful me and all the terrible things that have happened to me, why not put some fresh perspective in your eyes and ask God, what can you teach me through this? What am I not learning? I've been there. God, why am I doing this again? Why are we doing this again? And more often than not, my children have taught me so much about the love of the Father that it's not really about what is he, uh, why, why won't he help me? It's what am I trying to teach you right now? So don't listen to the enemy. Don't give in. If you want some practical steps outside of just, you know, symbolically plucking that from your heart, in a moment, we're going to declare healing in our lives. Some practical steps are to just take the, the next right move forward. Just like you did in pulling that out today, sign up for baptism next week. If you've never been baptized, it's the greatest joy to not only come up out of that water with a fresh life, a new life, a, a brand new start, but to, to sign up and to be a part of that team and to watch people do that, I weep every time watching people make that commitment. Go to Growth Track today. Make City Hills your church home, and this is your family, and find your purpose in his kingdom and start serving others. This is, this is what's going to make a real difference. 
And nothing will get your mind off your problems like helping somebody else out of theirs. Nothing. Amen? Just take the next right step. Our story of healing, he's, he's mentioned it often, my husband. No, we couldn't have children. And ignorance is bliss. When you're first married, we're not having kids. We don't want kids. Kids are ew. But then maturity happens and sets in. You want your family. And it didn't happen for us. It didn't happen the way we wanted. And so we walked forward, and God gave us our miracle, and then another miracle. But we've been hurt in ministry. We've been in this, like he said, almost 20 years. We've been hurt. We've been betrayed. We've been abandoned by people that we thought were our ride or dies, and they've disappeared on us. Where'd you go? And they just disappear. I mean, ride or die, and suddenly they're gone. They, they, they couldn't take it. They didn't want it. They didn't, they didn't want to be in on it. These are all reasons, guys, and as I'm sure you have, reasons to be justified, absolutely justified in your private sickness and harboring things in your heart and holding on to that. Absolutely have the right to be mad. Absolutely have the right to be hurt. You know, I, I can do that, but I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live sick. I want to live healed. I want to live whole. I want God close to me. And so I know this message is heavy today. But I want our church to be healed and whole. If you guys will stand with me. If you pulled that thing out today, you're ready to, to, to declare your desire to be made whole. Just a moment. Our pastor is going to come and give a prayer. And you're going to have the opportunity to make it right. But the caution I want to give you is that if you'll return to the story of the man on his mat in John chapter 5. In verse 14 it says, Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. This isn't like a doom and gloom message of if you walk out the doors, you're going to die in a car accident. Not like that. But the man came back to church when he had the opportunity. He had the opportunity to be saved. He had the opportunity to be healed. And instead of taking that opportunity, he could have disobeyed God's command to pick his mat up and walk off. I think God said this because he knew we would be reading it. And it's a warning not only to that man, but to us. Don't leave today with whatever it is you're holding on to and think you can come back next week and you might get your opportunity then. Because the truth of the matter is, whatever those things are that you can't see, if you don't deal with them, if you don't dig them out, if you don't cleanse yourself of them, they create a bigger problem. And something small can be an easy fix. But the longer you let it go, ignore it, look away, pretend it's not there, it just grows. And it's much harder to deal with. Unresolved, unchecked symptoms lead to far greater problems. And Jesus knew that. And I believe that's why it's so important today. We're here. God knew you were going to be here today with your mama and your friends. And as he's about to come, I want you to consider making it right. And beginning a fresh start today. What a gift for your mom, your child, your spouse, your friend today. To start over. To leave this place with a smile and joy in your heart. And excitement about what God's going to do from this day. Letting this day be a turning point. 3 John 3 and 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. It's our father's heart. It's a mother's heart. To see healing. That's what I want for all of us today. Thank you so much for letting me speak to you today. We're going to pray here. Just a second, I'm going to pass this off. 
I want us to be whole and healed and have a wonderful, wonderful journey together. God bless you. Hey, take your wife by the hand. Come on, find a mama close to you. If your mama's there, put your arm around her. If your wife's there. If you see a woman standing alone, she needs somebody to put her arm around her. Come on, find somebody. Find somebody. Bow your heads. I wish I could pray this prayer for you, but I can't. But I can pray it along with you. And it's a prayer of surrender that I'm... I need help. Our family needs it. My children deserve a whole person. My husband deserves a whole wife. My wife deserves a whole husband. Our future deserves wholeness. So with the deepest part of your heart, I want you to pray something that sounds like this. Dear Jesus, I need you today. I need you in my life. And to be honest, there are things in me that I've held on to out of comfort. I've held on to out of pride. I've held on to because I like being sick. But it's helping no one. And my life isn't moving forward. And we aren't progressing as a family and as a marriage. And my children see my sickness. And so I'm giving it to you today. I'm extending my withered hand, the one that I wish no one knew about, but it's there nonetheless. I'm giving you my hurt and my shame and my guilt. I'm giving you today my upsets, my regrets, my mistakes, my sin. God, I'm asking for healing. I'm asking you to make me whole today. I pray for every family in the room. Come on, put your arm around your wife. I pray for marriages and spouses. I pray for comfort to come to moms today who've lost children. Moms today who are worried about their children. Mothers today who don't know where their kids are or what's happening or why it went the way it did. I pray for women today who are praying for children. I pray for those today who've lost their mom and are hurting and struggling today. God, I pray for every family, every mother, for healing and wholeness over this congregation. God, I want to present to you a church that's whole, that's put together. God, this world deserves a life-giving church that's full of healing, where they can come broken. They don't have to stay that way. They don't have to stay in their hurt and in their shame and in their broken state. I pray for healing today. I give it to you in Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Amen. Come on, if you appreciate that word today, give God the best praise. Come on, do better than that. Give Him the best praise, everybody.